Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Black Sun follows the storylines of four separate protagonists each following a different goal. Will Naranpa bring her people together? Can Okoa find the truth about his mother? Will Giala find where she belongs? And Serapio, who is already a god, what will happen to him? Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And this fortnight on Books That Burn, we are talking about Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse. I was lucky enough to get to read this book as an arc and it was even better reading the final version for this episode. Uh, I I really, really like this one. Uh, Let's get into our factions. We have Shiala, Serapio, Naranpa, Koa, Iktan, Kalo, the priests, the crow cultists, and the four clans, Water Strider, Carrion Crow, Golden Eagle, and Winged Serpent. For our First topic, we have Naranpa and the coup attempt. Did you want to take this one? Yeah, so there's some layers here. Naranpa is, um, she's in this very precarious position where she is trying to pull essentially the rest of the government, the heads of government to like care about the people and bother to do things that enrich others lives that are not just their own and make themselves look good and there's there's a a a heavy religious component and emphasis to this but that's the heart of it is that the rest of the head of the government just kind of cares about their own power and their own tiny petty machinations and she's over here like no we actually need to serve the people ever at all and care about the other clans and not alienate everybody because we think we're superior and and then and then she she thinks at the beginning of the book that she is so close to doing this thing that she wants to do and then there comes this point where she realizes that maybe maybe she's not and then she has deposed <laughs> but yeah it, it is it is interesting because her deposition is physical but in this in this book there is a a religious a magical component to her appointment mm-hmm. and so she's not she doesn't actually relinquish her power just she's just thrown off of the the position the 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 support of the re- of the rest of the government. And so there there's this 
really interesting interplay where she is betrayed and betrayed by the people that she thinks, you know, are there to support her and care about her and are backing her. And then it turns out like, no, actually, they're not. Yeah, she was, you know, part of the betrayal was by her former lover. And I I don't know whether it was slightly different in the advanced copy or whether I just like didn't read this right. I'm not sure which one it is, but I hadn't realized on my initial read that any of like any physical intimacy and a lot of the emotional intimacy was just firmly in the past. Um, the first uh. time that I read this. And so I had initially thought it was more being betrayed by like an active lover, but no, it reading it again, it felt like, oh, this is a relationship where she's mostly assumed that Z is going to just keep being loyal and doing the things. It it, it felt like a situation where she had put into she put no maintenance into the relationship between the two of them. Yeah. And then is surprised when Iktan is part of what Naranpa feels rightly is a betrayal and what Iktan doesn't seem to think is a betrayal. And I, I was I was reminded of the whole like uh is it you know for a leader is it better to be feared than loved kind of a thing and i i don't think there's any hard and fast answer but i do feel right. like <laughs> like naranpa got a little bit burned by someone deciding that i iktan caring about her potentially because we don't get iktan's perspective iktan maybe still caring about her but but deciding that but but taking her choices away while doing this and just saying like, yeah, I know, I know you wanted this thing, but you don't get it to happen anymore. I'm saving your life by making you not have any of your power anymore. It just, it had an interesting feeling. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> there, there's something more I just, I want to, I want to add on to that because we we get this impression, we kind of get it explicitly stated that Iktan is still, he. I mean, Iktan's role is essentially the head of security. Mm-hmm. He, uh, they head the bodyguards, they are in charge, I think, of everybody, of just keeping the government safe. And he uses body doubles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when when Zay has to be at a formal event, they will leave some. They will leave a body double in their place so they can do, go do their job. Mm-hmm. And, and so we know that when Narampa is deposed, Zay comes to him and basically says, "Hey, this is happening. I, you know, I cannot. I'm not going to stop it." But then Zay isn't unconcerned for Narampa's safety. Oh yeah. However. Zay really just kind of, I think, assumes that that their security is adequate. Mm-hmm. But then that security is killed and Narampa is imprisoned and then was going to be tossed off a cliff, I believe. Oh, no, the, not going to be tossed off a cliff, but is literally taken out of the palace to be killed. And and like, you know, but but Zare is so is just like, oh, of course, well, I'm head of security, I'm doing my job, because these people won't harm you anyway. 
and then they do. And and there's this very much like double layer of I trusted you, then you were part of the coup, and then you were security and it wasn't enough. Like you've been you've let me down like four times in quick succession. <laughs> and nobody gets what they want. And nobody and gets I'll, what they want. Yeah. And I had um I saw some I saw um Rebecca Roanhorse's reply when someone had tweeted going, does Naranpa survive the book? And oh, yeah. Rebecca was like, the answer's in the book. Now, I'm not going to spoil what the answer is either, but I will say, yeah, the answer's in the book. It's just weirdly way earlier in the book than you would think it is. So uh, if you're if you're wondering, get to rereading, because finding that was a really nice surprise uh, on my reread. Because also on the initial read, I wasn't sure if Narampa had survived and yeah and and as this, this was book- my first my first mm-hmm. read through i didn't catch it i also it also mm-hmm. hadn't been a question in my head yet uh yeah. i you know i don't i don't tend to do that with my books i don't tend to sit there and and agonize over whether or not things will or won't happen so it just yeah. hadn't even occurred to me that people would be like oh no do they and and then robin pointed it out and i was like oh that's very clever writing <laughs> 10 mm-hmm. out of 10 very good well don i like it a lot um get an answer. Uh yeah, so I I really like how everyone doing and everyone in this case I mean Narampa and Iktan doing what they think is going to be best for the other one results in like nobody getting what they want because they're not close enough anymore to have their purposes aligned and their methods aligned and because of that, it just doesn't work. It's also a thinking of how, you know, the whole paradigm of political arrangements with former lovers, it can work. It can also go very badly and result in stuff like this, where it's like, well, oh, yeah, I know them well enough to know how this will go and what will happen. But it's like, yeah, former Former lovers, you're not former you're requires not, boundaries that are clear set on both sides that are not, not that just close unspoken anymore. assumptions. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're in a relationship, you can do all the unspoken stuff because you're like around each other enough, g- generally speaking, to like know. Or you have communication lines really, really open if you're like in a situation where you're not physically in the same space. But the former deal. Yeah, it just it just messed up everything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in terms of what it does for the book, it's really, really cool. I say messed up in the sense of if you wanted the two of them to work it out, I don't picture that going well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not exactly pining for each other in this moment. I mean, Iktan is not pining for Narampa. Iktan has moved on. Narampa, I think, still carries a torch for Zir. Even for, after for they Zen. betrayed them twice. Okay, okay, of. mid-book, Narampa Mid-book, sure, maybe, but not yeah. at the end. <laughs> not, not at the end, not after everything happens. <laughs> On to Okoa and Death of a Parent. So we don't actually meet his mom before she dies and he was away from home and hadn't seen her in several years he was doing his duty in sky maid and so because of book events he believed her death was 
staged to be a suicide. The official announcement was that she just died in her sleep because they didn't want to give out that it looked like a suicide. He believes she was murdered based on a note that she wrote when he was a baby where all it has is a glyph that can but does not have to be interpreted as murder. Yeah, it, now, real, it reads very much like a... <laughs> it, it reads very much like a... If I am going to die of old age or natural causes, I will take this note back and it will never make it to you feel. But it mm-hmm. feels a little bit like a stretch of, well, yeah, but if you don't know if you don't know that you're gonna die by accident or natural causes, you wouldn't take the note back. Right. It, it's it's a it's a very like there's gotta be more context that we will get later or something. Has it has that kind of vibe of like there has to be a reason or 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 a there's a because this is a um it's a world with a lot of different types of magic you know there has mm-hmm. to be like a a hidden Prophecy. glyph there has yeah there has to be like a hidden glyph where if she dies by natural causes then the paper bursts into flame or something like you know <laughs> there has to be something or okoa is just grieving and assuming and that's just is what it is yeah, I really think it could go either way because, like, this is a world in which prophecies are real. That's and true. So it's possible that she got a prophecy that she was going to be murdered. And so she wrote this note. And because it had an interesting chain of events where, like, it goes yeah. from, I believe, her sister to her sister's son when the sister dies. And then the son gives it to Okoa. I'm, yeah. There's I a, know the yeah. person who gives it to Okoa. It was in his mother's care first. I'm just fuzzy in memory on whether that person was the sister and their cousins or if I have that relationship wrong. Um, yeah, it's a convoluted chain either way. Yeah, like the paper had to get to him and had the glyph and... It's also totally possible that he's misinterpreting the glyph and it doesn't actually mean murder. It's hard to know. I, it, yeah. I think it's very clear that the text thinks we should, it, at the very least, it is presenting the way Akoa has taken this series of events. But I don't know how reliable he is as a narrator. Not that he's lying, but he might just be wrong about what happened. And yeah, I absolutely. Think the book has plenty of room for that to be true. And maybe we'll get more on this in the sequel. But in terms of the trauma, he's got a lot of guilt for being away when she died, even though he was initially away at her orders, but he stayed longer than he would have strictly had to. And I think while she was alive, he interpreted that as, I am going above and beyond what my family asked for. But now that she's dead, he doesn't know if he was going above and beyond by staying longer or if he was shirking his duty at home by staying longer. And he's now never going to get an answer. And people like his sister um, have a very strong opinion on which one that it was. And it's not the one that's favorable to him. And he's never actually going to get an answer. He just gets these competing voices where they're like, Oh, no, you absolutely you left me to handle all the stuff by myself. You should have been here. And then other people going, No, like, 
it's fine that you were away. The timing was just terrible, you know? So he's kind of torn between these. Yeah. I think it's definitely a case of, like, grieving people kind of lashing out for blame. Like, (laughs) well, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, if, you know, if you had been here, then you would have prevented this. And he's like, I was sent away by her. If I had come back with, for any for any reason, I would have been blamed for f- not following orders. Like, what exactly would you have expected me to do? And they're just like, well, you know, mother's dead and you're the head of the guard. So it's your fault. And he's like, but uh, 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 like, you know, they're there's like, we just this like to- and, and he's we- like, well, you were there. Why didn't you prevent it? And she's like, that's your job. And like, you know, it, it's very and I think he even says at one point when we get like a tail end of the conversation, when they kind of first meet and talk when he gets back in town, like he kind of says like, you know, he doesn't mind that she's lashing out at him over everything Mm -hmm. because she is grieving, which, you know, it's very clearly him excusing her just taking her grief out on him in a very, very, very toxic way. And he jumps to that so quickly that it makes me wonder. Like, oh, of course she's upset. So I'm the punching bag. This is fine. She's grieving. Like that's right. Nope, that's not okay. <laughs> like it also kind of has the flavor of like this probably isn't the first time that yeah, he's absolutely been her verbal punching bag for something, you know, not as serious as this, but that's such a huge thing to jump to if you've never had yeah. that turned on you before. Because you're if if you've never had that, you're not gonna immediately like be like, oh, you know, I guess they're just upset. Like something's going on um, with the two of their backstories. Yeah. And I don't know, trying to think how much more there is to say on him specifically, because like this one is pretty simple. A lot of the grief is this like tension between was he doing what he was literally supposed to do and it wouldn't have mattered or should he have been doing something different? And also what would that have changed? Because I, I also... I think that a lot of the way that they're lashing out at each other is from like this uh, very human pattern seeking behavior of, well, we if, if we had just changed how the pieces were before this moment, then clearly this bad thing could then not have happened or would not have happened. Yeah. And so they're all trying, they're all kind of like disagreeing about exactly which piece should have been shuffled. And if she had killed herself, I could see more of an argument from that. And that's definitely the angle that the sister's going with. Because the sister believes that their mother was murdered. And doesn't... Or sorry, believes that her the mother committed suicide. Oh, the sister is uh, Issa. Issa or Essa. Um, yeah, believes that Issa... Um, Issa believes that Yadliza, their mother, was murdered. Or sorry, committed suicide. And from that perspective, if she had committed suicide, then it makes more sense to argue that if her son had been home, maybe she wouldn't have done that. But for Okoa, who believes that Yadliza was murdered, him being there wouldn't have done anything. And so maybe, I think maybe a lot of their tension and disconnect is from not even being in agreement over what happened. And so that's shaping the way that they're reacting and which bits of the pattern they're thinking could have been changed to prevent this. 
on to Shiala and ostracization. It's been a while since we had that as a topic, partly because it is tricky to say and partly because it's not in every book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she is Teak and Teak are feared for their magic, coveted for their bones and hated for being different. Sometimes they sell their bones willingly. Sometimes other people steal their bones after murdering them. We don't get a specific answer, a specific answer on exactly what is it about their bones, but I don't think it specifically matters because there's plenty of in-book evidence that they are different in a magical way. I was going to say, I think it's a it's a magical link thing. I think we're given enough circumstantial evidence to know that at this point. Right, like it's not going to change any if the, anything if the book is like, actually, their skeletons are ivory. Like it doesn't. Right. <laughs> like, uh, all right, fine. They're, they're this world's equivalent culturally of ivory and an ivory trade, except they can talk and say something. Um, that's, that's what's happening. And, but yeah, cause like it, it had, it had some of that kind of a, like an icky feeling about it. Yeah. Not that there's a good way to try and steal someone's bones. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that icky feeling is not an accident. Like it's a very deliberate. Oh no, it's, yeah. It's a deliberate world building. You're supposed to read it and go, ugh, that's not all right. Like. And it's so, I actually really appreciate that in this book because it's so blunt and it's so there. And like, it, it leaves, I, speaking of trauma, and we're going to talk about this a little in the aftermath too, but the mm-hmm. way it's presented is 100% from the perspective of Shiala, who is the one being treated this coveted, way. Coveted. Coveted. And yeah. ostracized. Yeah. So- we are absolutely getting the victim's perspective on this only. We get nobody going, ooh, teak bones. Like, we, we yeah, don't get anybody else's gross. thoughts about this at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, we get other people talking to her and saying things to her, but we get her point of view. On this thing, yeah. And, and that's, so, that's so important. We also get her coping methods and her, like, things that are not okay and her, like, like, I mean, we literally, uh, we should, you know, we should even, like, there, there's even some, like, ah, well, you know, I guess I'll just drink myself to death if I can't go home because I can't live here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff where we just get her and the effect that this has on her. And that's the important part. And that's the voice that we really is, that really, really is centered in this. And there is a bit where we have... um Serapio's perspective when the two of them are having a conversation. Right, but she's still, we still get her too. <laughs> oh, sure, but I just, the, the reason it matters that it's from Serapio's perspective for this very particular thing is mm-hmm. she's just, she is um, kind of obliquely referencing why she is not back on Teak, why she is not with her family, and she refers to abuse and to being kicked out. And she's kind of trying to like bond with him over having been abused by their mother. And his thought is, nah, my mother, no, what my mother did to me wasn't abusive. Like he literally doesn't interpret it that way, even yeah. though, um, even though she blinded him as part of this religious prophecy thing. He doesn't, in his head, this was not abuse. 
And so I, I did appreciate that we have two characters talking to each other. And we don't know exactly what Shiala's um, experiences were, but something that I think many people would have assumed. And in, in fact, in our content warnings, I did note what happened to Serapio. I called that child abuse because someone reading it needs to have that flag, but he doesn't interpret it that way. And Shiala interprets whatever her experiences were as that, as abuse. And I, I, I liked that it's this very tiny moment of survivors are not monoliths and they do not all yeah. consider themselves to be survivors, which is like, yeah. And anyway, I, I, did, I did appreciate that there was um, range and nuance yeah. on these traumas happening. And so we don't know exactly why Shiala is not home other than she considers whatever happened to have been abuse and then well she was kicked out it, well she was kicked out yes we, we know canonically she was kicked out by her mother and her aunt we don't know what happened but we know that she is she is not allowed to go home it's not a choice right i was going to say like we don't know what was abuse prior to her being kicked out or if she right. or if being um cast out of teak is such a traumatic thing that that is enough to be the abuse, but the, from the how she acts and what little she does say about it, I don't think that reading would make sense. Like some stuff happened, and then she also was banished by her mother and her aunt, and now, yeah, she tries to stay alive and drinks to forget, and you know, tries to find comfort sometimes, and then drinks more to forget. And we, we mostly see her in a more um, active and positive state because at the beginning of the book, she gets a thing to do, but it doesn't, it doesn't erase, I'm trying to think how to phrase this, that she moves with more purpose in this book doesn't take away how she talks about her previous purposelessness. And even oh, yeah. her current stuff, you know, her the way she thinks about it, you know, she like even stuff like she has previously sold uh, one of her finger bones. And so sometimes she'll just be doing something and it interacts with her fingers in some way. And it, you know, reminds us that she's missing this joint. Right. <laughs> and since we have established the reason that she's missing it, you know. The combination of things in the world building tell us that at some point she needed cacao or because um, that's the, the money is, is, is cocoa um, beans. She needed money or some resource or something badly enough to give up a finger bone. And it's like, I gave up this one willingly to get a thing that I needed. I am unwilling to lose any more. I hope that made sense. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Anyway, it, it it keeps mattering that she it's like this little physical reminder of what she had to lose because she's not home. That's what I was getting at. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? 
Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't screen beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential screen beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? what? That's, no, that's not... Can I call them screen beans now? Fine. Screen beans! So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole screen beans now. On to the wrap-up and ratings for the gratuity rating for Narampa. Backstory, off-screen, mild, moderate, severe, or torture porn. Uh, oh, boy. Um, I'm in between mild and moderate. Okay, I was between moderate and severe, so definitely moderate. Okay, that works. Yeah, cause, I mean, like, it, it's such a weird one because the depiction I- of it is so bare bones yeah like the emotional weight is there but Mm -hmm. we don't have paragraphs and paragraphs of the problem or the emotion like we just we don't have that in this depiction at all and it makes it very i feel like (laughs) when it's a coup that i feel like the way it centers around and reacts to attempted murder colors it in a way that makes it moderate i understand so, that the attempted it's, murder it's isn't the not, literal coup uh i bet well we don't even get there is the th- like and and that's not even most of the story like there's just there's so there's so much cushioning there's so much it's it's told in such little tiny chunks and pieces i think the story format also helps form my opinion on this and like the mm-hmm. the jumping between different narrators the little bite-sized chunks of everybody's kind of oh i mean my care rating is gonna be you know yeah but i I feel like even the portrayal of it is just so i do agree that it is like the minimum needed to convey that but i think that when it does convey it it doesn't pull punches um but it but it also doesn't get very graphic is the thing and and i and i i don't i i i don't think it's severe moderate feels good okay I think there might be a little more emotional weight from different people reading it, but I think the actual depiction is not quite, not actually severe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's, moder- there's a lot of implications that are not detailed in loving rendering That's on page. That's a good point. There's, there's a lot of like, it's not fridge horror because you can read it at the time and kind of know what is happening, but like, there's a lot of like, your brain will fill in details, but if you don't, there's not actually like a lot on the page on the page if that makes sense yes that okay all right i think you've talked me into mild oh because you're right (laughs) like there's there's the actual descriptions for for the coup the descriptions are not graphic there are things in here that are graphic but the actual coup yeah is not 
is not one of them. On the scale yeah. of how graphic coups can get, this is this, this is, is the bare. <laughs> this is like oh, a coup happened. The main character is told that the coup is happening. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, done. Like <laughs> yeah, and you know it. It contributes to the sense of disconnectedness. Like it totally yeah, works yeah, yeah. in the story. Absolutely. We don't want to give the impression that like the coup is like handled badly or something. No, no, no. It's perfect. It. it it's exactly how it needed to be, and it works so well. But part of that is I, that it's think, like off screen and mild. Exactly, and and I think also there's a little bit of like there's this is the literal bare minimum of that you could have possibly like there's but there's so much like the more you know about historical coups, the more you read books that have this in them in any way shape or form it doesn't even have to be a formal coup it can just be a lessening of power that involves some physical risk it's so easy with this one to kind of autofill your own details and kind of extrapolate like like oh the guard is dead well, how did they do that and like there, there's 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 so it's so easy to just kind of draw on your own knowledge with this yeah. particular thing but I think the that's actual a little bit depiction of what on the page is is basically is mild. Nothing. Yeah, There's I think that's so a little, little bit of what I think that's a little bit of what my brain was doing. They were like, "Coup equals massive death." Actually, not actually, not in this case. No, <laughs> in this not, case, not- like we have like one confirmed death, and it's not the person who is being deposed. We have one. They have a single bodyguard. That's it. Yeah. Done. Yeah. End of story. And we, it's not, for, it's not for, even on should, screen. Yeah, for the literal coup, yeah, it's a body count of one. Other parts of it have higher. But that's not what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but like, and we I don't want to get into, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I fear we're veering into spoiler territory, but I think that yeah. this is important context. Uh, I just I don't, didn't want anyone to go, oh, they said only one person dies in the whole book. No, 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 <laughs> no not, but in this particular, this one particular incident. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I really do think this is one where like, Honestly, if you told me that they were being censored and that they would be fine tomorrow, and then I read this book, I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, right. there's, there's, we have to be explicitly told on page like four times that they are supposed to be losing their power in government for you uh-huh. to even know that that's what's happening. Like, yeah. there's no, there, there's like basically nothing on page, which All is right, fine. So- it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but yeah, I so we're good on mild. Okay, so Akoa. So the actual death is off screen, and the grief is, I think, moderate. There's a lot yes. of processing. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. And then Shiala, the ostracization is so some significant portions of it are backstory, but. Um, there's a lot of ongoing things related to having been exiled. I dangers she uh, would not have otherwise faced, and those yeah. range from moderate to severe. Yeah, I would argue the threat of what could happen mm. on the page is severe, but what actually happens on the page, I think, is moderate. Yeah. Yes, I I think there's some de- there's some things that are I I would have I want to go as far as backstory moderate. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, because I think I I think if 
I think there are some things where if they had happened on screen, they would be severe. Right. But they didn't. And we just kind of know that they happened previously. Mm-hmm. And and so that that it pulls it bit down to a much more it's a, a much less graphic depiction of anything. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm fully good with moderate on that one. Uh, and I would say a quick note here. We try and talk about the most severe trauma. And in this Theoretically. one, yeah, like generally that's what we head for. There is a trauma that you could argue is more severe than the ostracization that we picked. For the um, same character, to be clear. Uh, no, for Serapio, I was thinking. Oh, um, oh, I so, thought you meant the other thing with. No, nah, we, we have four main characters and three topic slots. We yeah. didn't focus on Serapio. Um, please read the content warnings before reading the book if you have any <laughs> yes. uh, hesitation. Because I love this book. Uh, the opening is a lot. If you make it through the opening, you should probably be fine with the rest of the book. Um, it just... Yeah, that that's what I will say there. If, yeah. you're, if yeah, you read what happens to Serapio and you're good, then... Keep going. Yeah, and we had some reasons where uh, the characters that we have picked are ones where the topics haven't shown up in as many books. Mm -hmm. And weirdly enough, for as incredibly unique as our fourth main character is and their story kind of is, their traumas are things that we've covered several times before in other books. Yeah. Like, wildly enough, like, their actual characterization is not... But the traumas are. And Love so we, we opted for the things that we just haven't talked about as much. Because we yeah. do have, like Robin said, we do have four characters and three slots. So, yep. And unfortunately, unlike um, when we, we covered the, um, the Emelon series, when we covered Tamara Pierce... Uh, we don't have four books and four characters, <laughs> so yeah. we, you know, this this is a a series in progress. So unfortunately, we can't just you know grab another book and and give you all another episode. <laughs> yeah, hard yet. hard to do the trick we did there more than once. So anyway, yeah, please check the content warnings. Um, we're aware we didn't cover what most people would probably consider to be the most graphic thing in the book. Yeah, what well, what is absolutely the most graphic thing in the book? There's a mass death. Those are competing in my head as possibly most graphic. But you know, that's fair. When that's yeah, so one of the top two. Those aren't unrelated. <laughs> They're so. not unrelated. No. Yeah. Okay. So is the trauma integral to the plot, interchangeable, or irrelevant for Narampa? It's integral. Incredibly integral. Like it's like her entire storyline revolves around it mm -hmm. she matters as a character and thus this thing that is central to everything that happens with her yeah it's integral um you would change so much about the story if you switched it out for anything else for a koa ah, this one this one felt interchangeable this one feels interchangeable especially because like it has the, the we're going to do more with this in book two feeling. Yes. So, right. Yes. Like, I'm sure that by the time we read book two, it's, you know, if if you're listening to this by the time book two has come out, you'd be like, right. how did they How did they ever say that was interchangeable? Well, because in book one. In book one, it, it feels very much like a setup 
for more. It's just that 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 payoff hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So. And of course, anything you build upon an event that is originally interchangeable is going to feel is going to make it feel less and less interchangeable over time. Right. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, if we only did chapter one of a book, everything is interchangeable. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's why we're saying that here for now. Then for Shiala and ostracization, yes. I love, I her, mean, ca- I love her character so much. Mm-hmm. But I think that... As even as a character, at least so far in the series, even her character is interchangeable. Her story is definitely interchangeable. I think somebody had to be there, and that person mm-hmm. had to have something that meant they were free to do and be the plot character that she is. Right. You you can't just take you know like even just as far as like having a ship's captain free to just do this thing. Mm-hmm. Normally, those people have contracts and commitments and timetables and like obligations and they and and there very much had to be a character set up that didn't have those for some reason that didn't make them Mm -hmm. inexperienced and typically that thing is traumatic right and you know so so she as a character is absolutely crucial but who she is and what she is and what she has gone through is very interchangeable, at least, at again, at this point in time. Yeah, at this point, I would be shocked if this series ends without a visit to Teak. Oh, like, same. Same. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible, um, but, you know, but, same. But for now. Or, or given- potentially, can I just throw this out there, the bottom mm-hmm. of the ocean. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, and I, I, I think that because there, there could have been a lot of reasons to... There could have been a lot of different ways to handle the ostracization. And since yeah. a lot of it is backstory, um, that makes it feel more interchangeable. It's like you could have just told us a different backstory and we right. would have believed it. Like So with that, that Giala's interchange, her trauma is interchangeable. Were the traumas treated with care for Narampa? Yeah, like, I yeah, I really absolutely. think that, yeah, that was totally treated with care. Yeah, it, it was treated with so much care that we had to argue about, and, and we ended up on mild. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you have to auto, you have to insert your own details to really get the full picture. Um, yeah. Uh, death of a parent? I would actually argue, okay, question, without getting mm-hmm. into spoiler territory, if- possible because we've we've been very borderline this discussion but that's okay um (laughs) we've said some key words um do you think that his sister's reaction is part of the trauma we are talking about or a separate mistreatment i think it's part of it i think it's part of it okay then i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with maybe not enough then okay because she mean and mm-hmm. cruel. I think that the mood whiplash of him not getting the space to grieve with others who are yes. also grieving, exactly. grieving is important. That too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so not enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, then for the ostracization, I... <sighs> I'm struggling with this one. I think not enough. I think that it's meant to 
poke and remind we, and keep us uncomfortable. I think if we didn't see the racism on screen threatening her life, mm-hmm. then it might be enough. But I, I, I think this is definitely one of those where I think you're right. I think it's very deliberate. It's very I think I think this is this is another one of those where if more care was taken, the point would not be being made. However, this might make people who deal with particular with bigotry in general, but per- I'm g- I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and argue a lot of yeah in general if you deal it's with a lot, a lot of, of microaggressions that are particularly based on things that are inherent to you, then this one might be very very hard to read. It does not draw on anything in the real world inherently explicitly however you know if you start if you start reading her chapters and you're like "Ooh, out no please like heads up <laughs> it it is my under my understanding is that it is inspired by some very specific cultures but it is not a it's not a copy or literal yeah oh it's oh, oh i'm not saying i that's not what I'm saying. I'm because inspired by actual cultures, yes. However, mm-hmm. the actual ostracization and trauma here is based on magical things that don't exist in the real world. This is so true. We yeah. cannot have someone discriminated in the same way for the same reason because that reason doesn't exist in our real actual life. That yep. physically cannot happen. No, absolutely. However, the way that that mistreatment comes about is. I mean, there's there's only so many ways that you can ostracize a human. Yeah. Please don't send us lists with more you thought of. It just... <laughs> yeah, please no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, but uh, I, I, would say, I would say that the uncomfortability or the uncomfortableness is intentional. Mm-hmm. But if you're reading it and it hurts, stop. It's a beautiful, wonderful story. If you're reading it and it's too much, then opt out. Take a break. Or... Yeah. or alternatively if you don't mind reading a book this way this would be an excellent book because if it's like very broken up format this would be an excellent mm-hmm. book to just skip her chapters <laughs> if you had to but and what then i would say go is look it up gives a summary you- go to get to the end of the book and then look up a summary so that you know the key things that come up in her chapters that you need to read if you want to experience the rest of the story um yeah, yeah. i don't really I don't want to give the feeling that we're singling out her chapters specifically. I well, just her her chapters have those they have pieces. a lot. Yeah, they have a lot. Yeah. And if you know, and, and and this is this is literally a if you read it and it starts feeling very painful because of your own experiences. Like this is a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. If you can, if if you don't have that issue, this is this book is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's so um, good. But you know, I'm just very aware that that what might be uncomfortable for some people can be actively painful for others. So yeah, maybe as a, a reframe, and I understand this is what you meant, but my brain's doing the didn't literally say it like this thing. Um, my thought would be that the because of the rotating narrators and the structure of this book, generally speaking, if any one chapter got to be too much, just go to the next chapter. And by the time you have that narrator again, hopefully you're ready, even if it's a little bit more of it. That's that is fair. Like the yeah. the rotating narration here it helps absolutely helps mitigate a lot of a lot of this for everybody, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, not just Shiala. Yeah. <laughs> it just 
uh, it works so well. Um, for speaking of rotating narrators, right? for point of view for the trauma and aftermath, for Narampa, we get the perspective of the victim and not any of the perpetrators because none of the other narrators are actively involved in the coup. Or even on site. <laughs> yeah, or even really there. I mean, a co is around. That's why I use that I phrasing. Mean, uh, he's, he's around for part of it. He's around yeah, for enough of it that it's worth mentioning. Uh, he, he technically, if he took like five hours, could make it to the location. Yeah. He's in the area. Yeah. He was around when some of the coup-shaped after effects happened, but not That's fair. Specific. But not the actual action. Yeah. 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 Um. Speaking of, so, <laughs> death yeah, of speaking, speaking of Akoa, so for Akoa, um, I mean, we it's obviously him. Yeah, it's pretty much him. Like we don't get his we don't get sister's his sister perspective, at all, do we? No, nope. We just get her brief interactions with Akoa. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, the victim isn't quite the right word because the I, I would argue that the person who actually died in this case would be the victim living, but he is the one well he's the one he's grieving not the, he's not well when, he, not when the, you think of like the action he is happening he's not the intended target but when you think about the trauma that we are talking about he is True. from our perspective he is the victim he yeah, is the, the one grief. yes he's he's the one that the trauma is happening to yeah because our trauma is death of a parent and not murder just dying right yeah, yeah like we are specifically focusing on him so it is it's the victim being mm-hmm. centered in in the narrative yeah uh, which is a theme in this book <laughs> yep um speaking of shiala so with shiala because of how much time shiala spends with serapia who is the fourth point of view character yeah we have some sections from shiala's perspective and some from what Shiala tells Serapio that we see either from Shiala's perspective telling him or from Serapio's perspective hearing it. So we have kind of this mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so sometimes the victim, sometimes a concerned observer, just I, depending I on the argue, exact moment. So we we haven't had a... Uh, we haven't had a need to really separate these two out in several books, mm-hmm. uh, but we do technically talk about this from the, uh, the the difference of the point of view of the actual trauma versus the aftermath. And right. I would argue that Shiala really is the only perspective on the trauma itself. But then Serapio is a a witness and a listener for the aftermath. That's that's my yeah my argument there because when when things are happening to Shiala. It's her perspective. But then she tells him about it later. I think he's also around for some of the microaggressions. I mean, he's he's there, but that's when she's narrating. True. Okay, that's, yeah. That's so what I'm still, saying. Yeah, yeah it's, it's still her. Good point. Um, and, and when it is his perspective as they're happening. I, th- I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember any specific instances where that happened, except maybe on the canoe. But then that's just maybe. they were doing it in the last chapter on her perspective, and it's still happening on his perspective. So I think that that's still her internal monologue and thoughts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I think we're good there. All right, for our aspiring writer tip. Oh boy, rotating narratives can help to your audience recover from character trauma i guess yes and this is actually one that i would say powerfully 
that's so powerfully utilized in this mm-hmm. book. A- along with, along with character setup, can can be a form of um. Oh, how do I put this? You can use flashbacks, so to speak. Y- you can spoil your own ending in a way that sets up your character and also alleviates reader fears <laughs> mm-hmm. without giving away the ending. <laughs> like, yeah, that was that so was good. so wonderful. Like, I hadn't even thought, it, it really hadn't occurred to me, but this is definitely a book where you read it once and it's a good book. Mm-hmm. And without even having book two, you can go back and read it again and go, oh, and like it changes on the second read. And I will say, I personally love books that morph as you read them mm-hmm. a second time. And I highly appreciate how this one was done. Yeah, it was really good. Okay, favorite non-traumatic thing about the book. Oh, I, I was trying to think of mine. Of course, I know what mine is. The Water Striders. Hi. Yeah, I was give waiting me, for that. Give me, oh, you already knew. Yeah. Give me a giant insect and I am extremely happy. This was, Robin. I, I loved it. Loved Robin it. wishes insects were still megafauna. Best thing. <laughs> like in an abstract way. Like well, I'm Are you like, sure? <laughs> I read something else recently that had like a bunch of giant arthropods and I, I'm so happy because I read this and that in the same week. Nice. Great. <laughs> so fantastic. I, I love <sighs> Yeah, the water started. But I would say with quick caveat because i know there's giant insects isn't going to be everybody's idea of a favorite non-traumatic thing for a book they do not have many descriptions or much presence in this so if you are likely to be upset by giant insects you you have um, a single depiction of a gondolier that is an insect and that's it that's all and you know some just brief mentions of the word but i would hope that water strider isn't a triggering type of insect for most people and if it is i kind of want to know what they did but it's okay you don't have to tell me um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah anyway so that was my favorite oh man for me it's tough because i loved a lot of traumatic things about this book oh no Mm. okay here's a funny thing okay uh, I'm going to be incredibly vague. <laughs> I thought it was very, 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 very funny that Okoa couldn't get a hold of his magically bonded mount because Serapio was hanging out with her. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, that's great. This is wonderful. And that I also love moment. how much I also love that the ravens have agency in the book. Crows, but yes. Crow well, crows and ravens. Both. I think. I don't Oh no, is nope, it only it's crows? It's just crows. It's is just it crows? crows. I, I yeah. love how much agency they have in the book because my own outside of book knowledge that they are incredibly smart mm-hmm. and opinionated birds. Mm-hmm. Um it just it, it's so I, I thought that the representation I think just I think just their representation as animals in the book is probably my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that, you know, Okoa is is riding is flying on her and is like, all right, time to go home. And she's like, no, he's <laughs> like, uh, OK, where are we going? 
She's like, we are going here now. And he's like, okay, sure. Yes? Yes. And it just... I, I'm I, it's, I'm very entertained by every every single time every single time the birds are there and doing things of any any sort. I just looked in the the um the character list and one of the giant water striders is named in the character list. Um, Pepe. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. one who's the gondolier, so to speak. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, because like the the crows who are there who are. Um, who are named in the book are named in the character list. But I'm just like, Water Strider gets named in the book and listed in the character list. It just makes me so happy. I just I want I want more giant insects in books. <laughs> Arthropods in general, insects in particular. Anyway, I'm just I'm so happy about that. Okay, so with that, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstatburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash bookstatburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout-out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.